All right, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Chopping It Up with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. Today is Monday, July 17th. Glad to have you back with us. On today's episode, the Tennessee Titans are nuking their team. Other duties as assigned in the world of sports. And which NFL position is a direct correlation with one specific NBA player and a whole lot more. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Along with the newest acquisition, I am part of the STWF-TV team on Facebook. That stands for Sports Talk with Friends. So follow them on STWF-TV or Sports Talk hyphen with friends as well. If you're the fan of a specific team, they got you covered. MMA, got you covered. Even if you're not into sports, got you covered. This network is well-balanced and I'm proud to be a part of it. Show your boys some love over there. So, Tennessee Titans, what in the f*** are you doing? I like DeAndre Hopkins as much as the next person. And I'm not going to be the person who said, well, he's a young 31 because he's missed time. No, 31, 32. Uh, professional sports is still 31 or 32. Same thing like in just real life. I'm 39. There's times where I look, when I go to the store, some people are like, oh, you're almost 40. That's amazing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I look good. I got good genes. I don't take care of myself, but I look good. And then you got these guys who are in the prime of their career physically. Uh, you're washed at 31. No, you can still perform. It's just we put such a narrative of you can't do it that sometimes it becomes hard to get work. My criticism of this signing is not because of his age or the decline in the production, because if you had not Deshaun Watson and a broken and not Kyler Murray as your quarterbacks, and then you were banged up as well, yeah, you'd probably see those numbers slip a little bit. Because when he was with Deshaun Watson, we thought that that dude was a top three, top five wide receiver. And I understand the older you get, the lesser your physical abilities decline. But that's also DeAndre motherfucking Hopkins. And I'm not betting against him quite yet. I will bet against him with the Tennessee Titans, though. This 100% reeks of Kenny Galladay. Remember when he signed with the New York Giants a couple years ago? He said, I want to play here because I want to win. And I believe in this team. No, 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 you f-ing don't. Just don't, just don't lie to me, dog. I'm not stupid. You went to Tennessee for two reasons. One, they gave you the bag. 13 mil when nobody thought that you would get it. Although other people thought that OBJ wouldn't get 15 and he still got it too. It's weird how sports simps work, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, back to the topic at hand. So one is the money. I don't think that, like, because once again, the narrative that we just kind of push and bestow upon people is like, once you hit a certain age, you're done playing professional sports. And because sports medicine, because the athletes are so much better now, I feel like that narrative is slowly starting to turn. And again, I don't think that everybody is Tom Brady. I don't think that everybody is LeBron James. I don't think that everybody is that caliber or takes care of their body that much or cares that much. So I'm not going to say that everybody, every athlete, professional or otherwise, 
can play at a high level until they're 40 or over. No, I don't necessarily believe that. But I think the 30-year mark, we're going to start to reevaluate soon. So I'm looking at this from both sides. One, I am absolutely ridiculing the absolute out of Tennessee because this move makes no sense. Why are you wasting $13 million over two years to get that guy? We all kind of criticized Jacksonville, and I mentioned on the previous episode, we all kind of criticized Jacksonville when they signed Christian Kirk to that crazy deal because we all, what did, what did you do in Arizona? Sometimes you have to overpay to get the guy that you need at a position of need to win and then attract other people to want to come play for your team to win. Jacksonville saw that with him because they had the quarterback. They have Trevor Lawrence. Tennessee did this with an older, I don't even say older because Derrick Henry isn't old. He's old as as far as like mileage is concerned. That dog has been carrying the ball 450,000 times a year since he was 12 years old. Sooner or later, and it's not because of the 30 mark. It's because Tennessee used him the only way they could to win. And maybe that's, well, let's bring in DeAndre Hopkins. You don't have a number two wide receiver. Most importantly, you don't have a quarterback. He went to Tennessee for two reasons. The money, because I guarantee that nobody else was paying him that type of money if they were. Because he went from, remember when he said, I want to play for a contender? And it was like the between the Pats and the Titans. And I was like, oh, I can kind of see the Pats. Like they're always really good. They're always Defensively, they're always good. I don't trust Mac Jones much, but I guess I trust him more than Ryan over the Tanny Hill. I trust him more than Malik Willis. I certainly trust him more than Will Levis. Good Lord. Like, I don't know what it is, man. When it comes to quarterbacks, even though I don't watch a whole lot of college football, I can always just kind of tell. I made this assumption, or this, like, not an assumption, but this assertion. I looked at, well, I guess it's kind of both. Zach Wilson. Mike, you're too pretty and too frail, dog. You're too pretty for this. Tom Brady got pretty. You are pretty right. You're you're too pretty, dog. This ain't going to work. Mac Jones walking out. You walk like a Welshman. This isn't going to work. Like you'll, you, There is an absolute ceiling to you. Tom Brady, I didn't know because his tummy looked like a bagel and so does mine. So I guess I was right that he would be the goat because bagels are the goat. But you can't go from telling me I want to play for a contender, I want to win, and then sign with the Titans who have no secondary wide receiver, not a great O-line. What's the old adage? If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Tennessee has three quarterbacks. And three times zero is zero because they have three different quarterbacks that are worth nothing. Three of them. That is absolutely astounding to me. But I don't for one second believe that he went to Tennessee because he wanted to win. He wanted to get paid and he wanted to stick it to Houston two times a year because he got traded to Arizona. Now he had a chance to come back. I want to stick it to Houston. And that's what he's, he's going to try to do it. Derek Stingley Jr. has other, other words about that apparently, but, but that's really why you went there. But I do believe fully that he thinks that he could play for another 
four or five years. And you know what? If you really wanted to extend your career, what you probably would have done is taken that mid-range deal. Not the league minimum because you're better than that. But not 13 mil because Tennessee looks like to be the only squad that actually offered you that. So you could have gone seven, eight mil, something like that, and gone to a team with a real quarterback and boosted your numbers and make you look like the old DeAndre Hopkins and then get another lucrative two to three year deal that you're getting right now. But going to Tennessee, this is going to ruin your opportunity to make even more money in the short window that you have left of your career. So the long and short of this is literally nobody wins in this. You might win your division, but what does that really do for you? You host one playoff game and then get smacked by Kansas City or Baltimore or Cincinnati, Buffalo. Like it doesn't, what, what's the point of signing a wide receiver to a two-year, $13 million deal when you have no quarterback to get it to him? That's one of the reasons why I was so, I was so persistent on criticizing the DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel deals last year is because if you want the best out of Debo Samuel, you need to use him as a running back, but he doesn't want to do that. Now they signed him when Trey Lance was still the quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback, not Brock Purdy. Now I have no idea if that's a good signing or a bad signing, but in the moment, I thought that's a dumb signing because to get the most out of Debo, you're going to have to use him in the backfield and you need a quarterback who can accentuate his talents. Maybe Brock Purdy is that guy. Maybe he's not. I'm not going to be the over dramatic guy or prisoner of the moment. I know San San Fran fans are doing that right now. Same thing with DK Metcalf when he got that bonkers deal. You don't have a quarterback. Geno Smith surprised some people last year. But why are you giving that deal? I will say this. That was only a three-year, I think it was only a three-year extension. But then they extended Geno. The, the domino effect of all of this is bonkers. And sorry, my ADD is kind of like taking over me right now. But to get back on track, nobody wins in this. Tennessee is paying too much money to a, to a wide receiver with no quarterback to actually accentuate his talents. DeAndre Hopkins is going to ruin his career because he's to play two years with a quarterback that can't play quarterback regardless of who they pick and is ruining his chance for at least one more two to three year contract at a max level. Without the guarantee money that he could have negotiated had he gone someplace else with the quarterback and made him look great. But like I said, it's always their money, not mine. You can do what you want to do, especially the owners. You don't care about your players, so why should the players care about you? Get your money, DeAndre. Today's episode is brought to you by Sarah Brooks of Country Financial, specializing in small business insurance, also offering home, auto, life, and more. Services available in Alaska, Washington, Oregon, and Minnesota. They're also currently hiring. Call today for a free quote, and if you mention this episode, you'll receive a free gift. Sarah can be reached at 907-357-7455. That's 907-357-7455 for Sarah Brooks of Country Financial. Once again, please remember that whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Amazon Music, you are like, share, subscribing, and smashing those five-star reviews. I know they say some things that not everybody agrees with, and sometimes people totally agree with me, and it's something that they've been saying to their friends and they thought that they were lunatics. 
So regardless of what the outcome is, please like, share, subscribe, follow, smash those five-star reviews, and let's grow this thing into the evil empire that we're trying to build. Moving on to our next topic at hand. Other duties as assigned has been a loophole in the corporate world for a very long time. Like you read your job description, right? Regardless of what it is, there's a very basic set of, this is what is required of you. Maybe you have to do this other duties as assigned. Professional athletes have an other duties as assigned that I don't think most of them really want to sign up for. Also, did you know that if you're super talented, other duties as a sign doesn't apply to you? I brought this up a couple months ago with the whole John Moran thing. He's suspended from team activities. So once you're not in the playoffs anymore, he can't go to anything because your team doesn't have activities going on. Wow, that is such an outside the box punishment. I would have never thought to have done that. And that's obviously on the other side of the scope of where I'm trying to get to but other duties as a sign is always something that we like kind of push on players you need to grow the brand you need to grow the sport why when i'm gone you're not going to care about me you're not going to pay me for my residuals of how much i how much i paved the game and grew it for the most part this thing is going to grow organically almost all of them when you really think about it yeah there'll be ebbs and flows but there's going to be have like something absolutely detrimental to a certain sport is going to have to happen for it to have any type of downward spiral, if you will. Concussions was a hot button. We don't care about that anymore. Individually, like if you were directly affected by it or somebody in your family, so indirectly, directly. Yeah, okay, so maybe you care about more than others, but it's still the biggest sport in this country. So we clearly don't care that much about it. There's something about the barbaric things that it draws us to it. And that isn't, that's what's weird for me is like, that isn't necessarily what draws me to football. And I'm already starting to get a little bit off topic. So I'll try to rein it back in, but we try to put this pressure on these, on these athletes to grow the sport when it's not their responsibility. The people who run the sport, it's their responsibility. But again, I feel like these things are going to grow anyways, just because there's more people than there's ever been. There's just more eyeballs to put on sports. There's more kids who want to act like certain athletes. These, this is growing on its own. The reason why it's growing more on its own, though, is because, especially for me, and I'm, I'll cycle back to my original point, I swear to God. So Mike Trout didn't want to be the face of baseball. They tried. They put him on subway commercials. And he goes, this is what I want to do. This isn't who I am. And I don't really want to be a part of it. So the best player in baseball, or arguably, because there's always going to be somebody who throws out the, what have you done? This is why sports is a very, it's a very convoluted thing. You have to have everybody on the same wavelength. There's very few times where you see the best player, the worst management, and a terrible roster win anything. Especially in baseball. Like there's, There's more to it than just... Hey, we have an outfielder who's really good. We can win with that, right? No, you can't. But so like Ichiro helped grow the game a little bit more, but that's because it's international. You're bringing a star from Japan over here and Otani is doing the exact same thing. And I feel like that's why there's a little bit more of a buzz, but we don't, why, why are we putting 
the emphasis on growing the sport on people who English isn't even their primary language. They're already big in their country, and they were big here. It shouldn't be up to Ichiro and Otani to make our sport over here bigger. Which kind of gets back to my original real basis point of if you don't want to be the face of a sport, you shouldn't have to be a face of the sport. Nikola Jokic, and to, to be fair, I wasn't thinking about this initially because it's been a wild two, three weeks. I don't watch a lot of whole sports programming. So what I usually do is I see a headline. I know kind of what's already in front of me and I'll make my own assumption without having some type of outside bias or something that can sway me in my opinion. But I go back every once in a while and I'll listen to three or four different shows. And I was listening to Levitard's show as I'm way behind on that one. And this was when the Nuggets had won the NBA finals. And they were like, Jokic doesn't want, he doesn't want to do anything. He wants to go back, like hang out with his horses and just doesn't care. And I'm like, like, why? It's their job. It's not his job to grow the game in Serbia. It's his job to play basketball for the Denver Nuggets and not even necessarily for the Denver Nuggets, for the NBA. That's that's his job. He's basically a subcontractor. That's the way that I've always looked at it. You play for the NBA, you're subcontracted to kind of play for the Nuggets though. Because you can get cut, you can get traded, doesn't matter. Like You could not be on the Denver Nuggets tomorrow. That would be the stupid thing to do. But I'm just saying, you currently work for the NBA and you're under contract for the NBA. Even if they decide to release you, still under contract. He doesn't want to be this global icon, something like Mike Trout was. This is a job. I go to work. I do my job. I don't necessarily like it, but then I'm done. And I think you'd be surprised to know how many athletes like don't actually care about this sport, whatever sport they do, as much as you'd like to think. Because just think about it from another perspective. I'm not trying to compare them. I'm not drawing the parallels of like your job versus my job versus what they do. But there are certain times where you go to work and say, the only reason I do this is because it pays me enough and I'm good at it. I don't like it. And that's where Jokic is. He's going, yeah, I'm really good at basketball. But this is a job. Like, I don't enjoy it. That's like, that's the feeling that you get. The whole narrative around they have to grow the sport. There's this weird thing called everything now is international. It may not hit the same in every single spot, but this everything now is international. We have football games overseas. Uh, European players in basketball are being drafted in the top five continuously now. We're getting, it was not even Dominican Republic players in baseball. It's it's Europe. It's a uh, Japanese players. It's it's Korean players. We're getting guys everywhere. So- soccer, Argentina. We're getting Lionel Messi. He's going to move the needle. Messi's going to move the sport up here. Nikola Jokic isn't moving the needle in America, but it's helping Serbia, which indirectly is going to help the NBA. But he's not doing it by trying to want to be the face of the sport itself. Between Luca and uh, Embiid, Giannis. Jokic, those are arguably what, what four of the 
10 best players in the NBA by most people's assertion. Again, if you have a hatred towards one team or another, if you have bias, like you can obviously slide things down. And I'm, I'm not here to debate five and tens anyways. But those are four of the top 10 guys that we think of in the NBA currently. You shouldn't have to force being the face of the sport down their throat. Because isn't that really the commissioner's job? Isn't that more of their partner's job than the player itself? The players themselves are already meat shields. I go through this with you guys all the time. I'm almost always pro player. The commissioners, well, I'll say this. Adam Silver is the most proactive on these things. Then it's probably Goodell. Then probably Manfred and was it Gary Bettman, I think, in hockey. If anybody really even cares about hockey, I'm sorry to hockey fans, but I kind of had to do it. But this is where we are right now. Everybody wants to push the responsibility strictly on the labor and say, well, it's your job. Other duties as a side grow the sport. And this is where player empowerment, we've had this conversation before when it comes to player empowerment versus player entitlement. This is not one of those battles. You not wanting to put your face on the brand of a sport to be the global icon is not player entitlement. That's player empowerment. That's you as an employee saying, if I want to do it, that's fine. But don't force it on me. But again, Jokic plays in Denver and a lot of people didn't even really see him play all that much until these finals. The narrative is different. The narrative changes and Milwaukee, I think, is a little bit different with Giannis because Milwaukee is considered a quote-unquote small market team. Giannis is one of those guys who is pretty active on social media. Like He likes to engage with people. He says he doesn't want to be looked at that way, but that's totally a deflection. It's totally a bullshit excuse. He loves being in front of the camera, but he wants to do it on his terms. Whereas Jokic is like, can I just go home now, dog? Like... I won. My work shift is over. The NBA finals are over. I can punch out. I can go back to Serbia now. Okay. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Y'all have fun with this over here. I'll start collecting these checks again in a few months. I don't see what's wrong with that. He's a man of his work. And again, like we don't all love what we do, but we do it because we're good at it. And it pays us for what we need not even always what we need because obviously these guys make crazy amounts of money, but they've also sacrificed a bunch of their time, not even just their time, but time with their families to be the best at what they do. If he wants to treat it like a job, treat it like a job, dog. You got my full support on that one. In sports, we say that it's a copycat league and in reality, it's every sport. It's not just football or basketball or baseball. It's all of them. All professional sports, it's copycat league. But somebody has to think outside the box in order for you to copycat, right? Because if you're just doing the same thing every single year, you're not copying anybody. You're just, you're all copying yourselves. It's all of you copying off of your own homework and your own assignments and everybody getting a B minus and go, hey, well, I was cheating off of you. Who are you cheating off of? You. Well, how about you? Gary in the back. Gary in the back. Nobody listens to Gary in the back. Look, 
You need a thing for yourself and you need to be innovative. And every once in a while, things change the game. People change the game. And I feel like right now we're at a point where the running back is about to make a comeback. So hold on. I know. Know what you guys are thinking. You're going, God, and Prescott. We've been saying running backs don't matter forever. We've been saying that they're so replaceable. And you can find one anywhere. So here's my thought process. We're constantly paying these quarterbacks absurd amount of monies, right? Just bonkers, bananas contracts. But we've done this before. We've done this math. Since 2000, what, Brady's got seven of them, which is more almost a third of them now because we're one more season down the line. He's got seven. There's two Mannings. So that's four more. That's 11. Like, Rodgers has one. Roethlisberger has two. There isn't as much parity as we like to believe, mostly because Tom Brady has ruined it, and now Mahomes has two as well. If you take Brady out of it, okay, maybe we can start to have the conversation there's more parity. But I'm pretty sure that Pittsburgh would still be good because they're always good. Baltimore has one with Flacco. They might get another one with Lamar in the next three years. There's not as much parity in the NFL as we think. But to be a copycat league, somebody has to be outside of the norm. The passing league, getting away from the run game, uh, moving more to fast linebackers instead of these bulky defensive linemen. Belichick has always done, he always zigs when somebody zags, right? And that's always been his mantra. And he's been still relatively successful with honestly a dog roster team since Brady's left. Because he's thinking, okay, well, I'm going to get big offensive line, maybe more power instead of going these quick agile guys. And even with these just absolute booty juice rosters, they're always around 500. They made the playoffs a couple years ago. Now they got waxed by Buffalo and I'm not going to lie. That was pretty amazing. Not that I had anything to do with it. It just felt really, really, really good inside. And Pat's fans, I know, still lost to Kansas City. That's all right. I'll always have that day. But the zigging versus zagging, you got to be creative in order for somebody to copy you. The Wildcat. That was popular for a bit. Didn't work very well, but that was replicated as well. I believe that we are coming back to the age of the running back because we have gotten so much where we've shifted the narrative so much where speed matters. And it does. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not out here saying that having the lateral quickness doesn't matter. But have you seen all of these dudes run? In the NFL, have you seen the athletic ability of literally even six foot seven, 330 pound dudes? It's pretty remarkable. I feel like we're not too far off from seeing a shift. And I, I don't think it's be Bill Belichick because that's another thing, dog. I told you like two months ago, I thought that Bill Belichick was on the hot seat and I got laughed at. And look, now there's reports of it. Just another, just another example of it, man. Listen to your boy. I'm always ahead of the curve. Not always, but 
moving back to it. The Falcons picked up B. John Robinson and was like, why would you reach on him? Atlanta, maybe that was a reach. But this goes back to DeAndre Hopkins. To the right team, you have a really good O-line. And the thing, too, is there's a balancing act with all this. I had an episode two, three months ago where I said, we need to stop, for lack of a better term, devaluing the running back because you should absolutely be scooping those guys up in the first round if they're capable and if you believe in them. You shouldn't always be paying them a second contract, though. This is why I think that Atlanta played it perfectly. I do like some of the moves they make. I still feel like they're on the outside looking in. Not that the NFC is particularly strong, but there's still a ways away. But if you can build under that original rookie salary from Bijan, but just don't pay him the next one. If running backs are supposed to be so interchangeable, draft them early, but don't pay them the second contract. Right? Like from a GM's perspective, I shouldn't be able to be up here 39 years old in Alaska, not having any type of economic structure in that space and know that that's the best move. But no, 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 no. We have to pay our guy. We got to pay the Christian McCaffrey's. Why? Carolina wasn't doing anything. He was valuable to San Francisco. He was not valuable to Carolina. Nick Chubb. Maybe this year it, it, it proves a little bit more because Deshaun Watson has another year. Maybe the Browns are better than they were beforehand. Same thing with Derrick Henry. Yes, he's awesome. He's not replaceable. Not to that offense. Same thing with Saquon Barkley. Oh, and that goes back to, it's, it's not a segment I'm putting in right now, but dumb as I read on the internet this week was somebody telling me that Daniel Jones looked good last year. Saquon doesn't make Daniel Jones. Did you see Daniel Jones when he didn't have Saquon? I rest my case, Your Honor. So when I'm doing this, and I'm I'm trying to build a narrative, if you will, trying to be ahead of the curve and say, yes, I think the running back is going to make some type of comeback in the NFL. Because we see these these teams going for these high-dollar, huge name wide receivers. But Stephon Diggs hasn't won one, right? Jamar Chase, I know he's young. Justin Jefferson, he's young. Devontae Adams, he's been in the league for a while. These other like elite wide receivers. Tyree Kill is really Tyree Kill and Cooper Cup are the only like elite wide receivers I can think of who have won chips. But that's because I don't know. Tyree Kill had Patrick Mahomes. Weird. Not that he wasn't not that he didn't still have a good season in Miami, because he did. But he won because of Mahomes. Cooper Cup, you can say what you want to. Like, I, I can kind of split that one down the middle. We didn't consider Cooper Cup a great wide receiver until like two or three years ago, really. So, him having Stafford, there's moving parts to this. So, I wouldn't be surprised at some point in time, you do see the running back become more valuable because they are somebody who can use in motion. And by valuable, you have to understand what I mean as far as I think you're going to see more of them be drafted in the first round over the next two, three, four years. Because if you pay them up front, you're at least getting the production up front. 
You don't have to recycle them. If you think they're interchangeable, interchange them. That's fine. But Austin Eckler would like a word with you. Adam Jones would like a word with you. I love playing devil's advocate, man. I love it. Because you could see how this could potentially work, right? We're all going to smaller, more athletic people. But if even the big dudes are athletic, what if we get the running back early on, right? Our dynamic running back in the first round. And then we like the next two rounds, big old lineman, get some big holes, push the pocket. That way you can win like Alabama was seven, eight years ago where you don't even need anybody at quarterback. It's just manhandle people up front, get two or three running backs if you want to. The year, I think the age of the running back could potentially come back. Not saying that it will. I'm just saying, don't be surprised if it does. Because why pay $20 million a year plus $25 million a year for a wide receiver when you can, what, get 1,500 yards and 100 catches? Or you can get the same kind of production, not a thousand yards, let's not do that, but I'm saying total combined yards because that's what they're giving you on the ground and through the air, most of them. Why not get the good old line, get the dynamic guy, but just don't pay the dynamic guy. Just draft them every four years. That's the way that I would do it. I don't think it's that out of control. But to get to my comparison is, what I'm talking about right there wasn't hypothetical. This is supposed to be the quote unquote reality of professional football as we know it right now, where the running back doesn't matter. And I tell you, running backs may not matter right now, but the running back does. Derrick Henry matters to Tennessee. That's why they pay him. Saquon Barkley matters to the New York Giants. We've seen Daniel Jones without Saquon Barkley. There are no, all the Joneses can keep up with Daniel. Every single one of them. But none of them can keep up with Saquon. So yeah, if you have the good O-line and you have a couple good wide receivers and you have the quarterback, running backs do not matter. But specific running backs absolutely matter to specific teams. Currently, running backs in the NFL are exactly Draymond Green. He does not matter to everybody. He matters to Golden State. This is something I've, I've mentioned on this show a bunch of times, and I know that a lot of other folks share the same sentiment, but I was thinking about it today of, we always say that this person, this player doesn't matter. And I'm always like, well, we, it could in the right system. It, it could in the right scenario, but everything has to work around it. So it's like uh, Kansas City, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. We were super high on. It's like, oh, well, Isaiah Pacheco replaced you. Well, yeah, because you have Patrick Mahomes, dog. Like, what do you want? You got Andy Reid. Yeah, Derrick Henry's really good. You may not want to spend all your money on him because, you know, quarterbacks and your wide receiver position have been trash forever. Besides J.J. Brown for like a year. But you can use these narratives like this player doesn't matter. Or this position group doesn't matter. No, it matters if the coach is allowing him to be himself. Instead of this is my system, this is how we're going to run. That's why I give Steve Kerr a lot of credit. Yes, he inherited a really talented group. 
But nobody thought that Clay Thompson would be who Clay Thompson is. Nobody thought that Steph Curry would ever be what Steph Curry was. Draymond included. He let them play. He let them be themselves. Mark Jackson, this has always been a weird one for me. Because again, playing devil's advocate, you run these, you run these observations. You see things from multiple angles where Mark Jackson said to us, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are the best backcourt shooting duo ever. And we laughed at him. Why we laugh at him? Because he got fired. Then a few years later, once Steph kind of got done with his injury history because he was being labeled a bust initially, we saw, oh, Mark Jackson may have been right. Oh, Mark Jackson may have been wrongly fired. And that's kind of where I land on this initially. But as time goes by, you do still know that Mark, like he has an affinity for both, like all those players because he got to coach them for a bit. But you know it hurts his heart because he feels that that should have been him. But knowing what Mark Jackson has kind of been and like the old school mentality, I don't know if you would have seen this group be what they are now. Most specifically Draymond. I feel like Kerr really let him be himself and realize this is what I need And Draymond initially was more of a willing shooter, wasn't a great shooter, but was more willing. And then as he progressed, Kerr was like, hey, I need you to to knock, I need you to knock that off, dog. But he brought other things to the table. It's the same thing with these running backs. You don't matter necessarily here because we don't have the support system for you. Some players will be great no matter what. Whatever, regardless of their environment, regardless of what's around them. But what's the accolades? We, we, we attach the accolades to your career and we want to elevate you to a status that you may not be worthy of or would not have attained with all the other supporting things around you. And this is why I say, I think that running backs do still matter in the right environment. Also, when you take them high enough, to get the most out of them. Draymond Green doesn't work for everybody, but he works for Golden State. Not for much longer because that dude looks like he's about to be broken. You can't keep doing this back and forth of this person doesn't matter when they do for a certain style. They do for a certain organization. Hell, for the sake of argument, just before we wrap this up, Udonis Haslam, you could do the exact same thing. Well, why is he taking up a roster spot? You know that the 15th guy on the roster doesn't get any burn anyways, right? Like that, that guy never gets any run. You have to have infinity billion injuries for that guy to get a considerable amount of burn. He's there for the quote unquote, he culture. Well, what does he matter? He doesn't matter to anybody else. If he got cut by the heat, no one would pick him up, but there's a greater plan there. There's a, there's a, there's a respect within that locker room and that organization in that city for you, Dots. He doesn't mean anything to anybody else, but he matters there. You know who else matters? You matter. Not just because listen to the show, but you matter. Every once in a while, sometimes we just need that, that pick me up. Tell somebody that you know, tell somebody that you love that they're worth it. And you'd be surprised how far it can go in their day. With that being said, everybody, 
Thanks for chopping it up with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, smash those five-star reviews. As always, you guys, stay up, stay blessed, and we'll catch you guys on the next one.